Welcome back to The Short Game. This is the show where we discuss short video games, the kind of games you can complete in an evening or a weekend or, you know, whatever amount of time you got on your hands, you busy person you. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week for our music follow-up short episode by Laura Nash. How you doing, Laura? I'm doing great. And the person who missed our original music episode, even though he is an actual music er, <laughs> Nate Heininger. How you that's, doing, Nate? That's the, the right word for it. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. I was very sad to miss the last episode, though I did enjoy listening to it, so... Yeah, um, that was a lot of fun, actually. Like, I really enjoy the, the reason that we're doing this follow-up, uh, honestly, we could take or leave Nate. Mostly we just wanted to come back and do some more music talk because I, I had a lot of fun listening to some of those picks the, from you guys, and um, I think we got some good, uh, good response from people about that episode, and um, I just kind of wanted to talk about some more game music. So I think we're going to start by hearing what uh, Nate would have picked if he had been able to join us for that episode and his feedback on that episode. And then just a little bit of feedback from some other folks, listeners and uh, other folks in our lives. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to say, first of all, you know, I, I, you guys had some awesome recommendations on the, uh, on the other episode, some things that I loved and some new things for me. Like, I gotta be honest, Laura, the Fez adventure pick of yours, I have still been listening to. So that's the one that's stuck amazing. with Yeah, that's the one that stuck with me the longest of uh that came directly from that episode that I'd never heard before. I've actually never played Fez. So it's a it's a really cool song and, and I like video game music that's like that. I don't know, uh cheerful but well composed. I, I don't know the right way to put it, but it was very um really enjoyable to listen to and i find it it fits into a lot of different places yeah that was a great pick um i think fez is a game that has been on our short list for games to talk about on the show for a while um but i have i got stuck in it and never went back and actually completed it so i feel like i'm gonna have to do that pretty soon i'm on maybe our 18 but i will say about an hour and a half of that was decoding the alphabet so mm. <laughs> yeah it's not really that short but it has the feel of a game that we would kind of like to do on the show i don't know maybe yeah. maybe maybe someday well my first pick it's not exactly like fez but it sits in that same um kind of 8-bit chiptoony uh genre and it's a very very well-known video game song but you guys didn't mention it so i am it is ducktales moon or ducktales the moon ah, level yes. It is one of my favorite uh, chiptune songs ever made. I've heard this so many times on um, guitar. There's a cover on Spotify yep. that I love. Yep. I've never played this game, though. Oh, it's really, oh, really? good. Yeah. I know. It's a great game. I, uh... I bought it. It was the first thing I played when I bought the Retron 5 because I'd never had an NES. And so I thought, oh, I'll pick up some NES games. And uh, this one's so well regarded. Oh, it gets so punchy there at the end. We, uh, we talked a lot about the DuckTales game in our Shovel Knight episode. Yeah. Which was a little bit before you joined us, Laura. 
-hmm. It's just so happy and it's it drives so hard and, and I get this hook stuck in my head all the time. I'll just be walking around whistling it. It's not what I would compose for a lunar theme, you know? You'd think of it as being like contemplative and uh, kind of downbeat or something, but no, this is perfect anyway. It's not the moon, it's I'm an astronaut and a duck. <laughs> exactly. So to, uh, to stay in this kind of, uh, stay in the same genre of music, this next one was really hard for me to pick because... I love a lot of the music from this game, and it was a game being a primarily Sega kid. I did not have a Super Nintendo, though I played a lot of the games with my friends. Sonic will forever have a near and dear place in my heart, and I wanted to originally pull something from Sonic 3 because it collides two worlds that I love, which is Sonic and Michael Jackson, but <laughs> <laughs> I ultimate... forgot about that. That's yeah. such, a, such a weird sort of historical footnote in gaming history the, yeah. the michael jackson connection there and he pulled his name from it he yeah. didn't like the uh, sound quality that was generated from a sega genesis uh which i mean you had to know what you're getting yourself into anyway i ultimately though have landed well yeah i ultimately have landed back on my one of my favorites that's actually just from the original sonic and that's green hill zone and everybody's gonna know this one um but i still love it listen to it all the time Happy to you know, play it for the podcast. Really? Oh, really? I'm sorry. That's like the worst time to get to play a game. I would actually try to go to the dentist office early because then I could get in <laughs> two levels before I got cavities or... <laughs> My parents didn't believe in consoles. Yeah, that's such a bummer. I, I came to a lot of this stuff kind of late in that way, too. My parents weren't big on consoles until... Um, I think I told this story on the show before where I had bad handwriting in elementary school and someone told them that video games would improve my hand-eye coordination and my writing would get better, which it did, but I don't know if there was a connection. Nice. Actually, the last console my parents bought for me was my Sega Genesis. Fortunately, my older brother, who isn't really into video games anymore, but was when we were kids, him and I would split allowances mow lawns, whatever we had to do to put together enough money, and we together purchased let's see, a Sega CD, a Sega uh, we, bought, we got a Dreamcast, a Nintendo 64, a Playstation um, all the way up until he went to college on the Playstation 2 came out and that's kind of when we, that golden era of splitting allowances uh, stopped but I mean all my money went towards you know, what little money I had as a kid. And my parents chipped in. I'm not saying they were just like, you're on your own. And, you know, where do you think the allowance came from? But the last time the, like, they were like, here's a console was the Sega. But this song, I think what's really interesting about it is, like, you know, I think of bands that are, that at least got relatively popular over the last, like, five years, like Passion Pit. And oh, these, yeah. like, weird, like, 80s synth revival bands. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a... This song specifically sounds like a Passion Pit song. Oh, man. Someone should do a mashup of this with a Passion Pit song. You're right. That yeah. would be so uncanny. 
And so I wonder how much those guys, like, Passion Bit was, is one guy, but I wonder if him and people who make music like that, if they directly consider this to be an inspiration, or was this inspired by the times that they were inspired by? Hard to say, but it's got to be a little of both. Yeah. That is a great song, although it gets a little repetitive, and that was, I think, the problem with a lot of, um, uh, I don't know if it's really fair to say this is a problem with Genesis music, but like I loved the Genesis, but I didn't really like any of the, I, I never really got a huge attachment to any of the music from the Sega Genesis. Um, and then I listen to stuff today from things like the Super Nintendo or the NES, and it all sounds really, really cool, even though it's maybe it's just a different palette. I don't know. I don't know why this is, but I think a lot of the Genesis music never really stood the test of time, where people still celebrate music from a lot of the Nintendo stuff still today. Yeah, I think the Sonic music has held up. I still hear people talk about how much they like Sonic music, but you're right. I don't hear as much for really any other game. My third choice, though, if we just keep moving forward, getting out of the chiptunes and getting into something entirely different... And this is a silly one, but this is another one that gets stuck in my head all the time. And it's from one of my favorite games of all time. And it's a game that I'm hoping that we've been talking about covering. It's so weird. And the game is so weird. It is the theme song to Katamari Damas. this game called Katamari on the Rocks. It's like a a seven-minute song that's really the same thing the whole time, but it's so good. I could listen to this just on, on repeat, just forever. Oh, you have it. What? No, that's a lie. I have. It's it's like <laughs> I'm totally lying. I just haven't remembered the beginning. It's it's not a hundred percent acapella, but it almost is. This was definitely covered by an acapella choir at Northwestern. Oh yeah, I'm sure. That doesn't surprise me at all. This would really fit with that. It's such a fun game. I. I so we'll probably do an episode on this game eventually, and, and then I'll get my chance to talk all about my. Katamari memories, but I remember that, I think back on it, it's kind of weird how I ended up with this game, because I never was really that involved in video games, but this came out at a time where I'd just gotten a PS2, and I had just subscribed to a print magazine about, you know, games, I don't remember which one it was, and they had a preview of this game, and I remember that the thing that really sold me on it was that it was cheaper than your average new release. Like, this game came out at, like, 20 bucks instead of 40, or or 30 instead of 60, or whatever it was that they were charging for PS2 games back then. And also, I don't know, it just, it, it, it had this strange concept. And I thought, well, you know, I'll give that a shot. And it happened that I, I read that preview, like, four or five days before it came out, so I went down to a, a GameStop and picked this game up on day one. 
And then I popped it into the PS2 with very low, weird expectations, and it completely blew me away. This game was... I mean, I think it's one of the greatest games of that generation. One of the greatest games on the PS2, without a doubt. Absolutely. This game is so great. Guys, I really, really want to do this game for the show, but it's such a bummer that it's really hard to to play this game today. Like, you either need a PlayStation 2 or you need a PS3 with um, PS2 compatibility. Oh, actually, no, I, I'm sorry, that's wrong, because you can play the PS2 Originals one as a download. But you have to have a PS2 or a 3. This won't play on a PS4 because it doesn't do the, the PS2 Originals, and there's no P PC port of this, there's no Xbox version of this. There have been some sequels, but... I don't think any of them are really right. Like, you need this original game. Yeah, and we've been talking about doing it for the show, and I hope one way or another we do it. Even if it's like a short episode, who those of us who can play it, play it. Whatever it is, I'm going to... Well, I'll put it this way. I'm going to play this game again soon, and mm -hmm. ideally we get to talk about it on the podcast. If not, I'm still just going to be playing it and having this song stuck in my head forever. Perfect. Okay, so for my final recommendation or my final pick, sticking in the kind of orchestrated world, probably technically the most well-known video game song of all time. And that is Baba Yetu, the theme song to Civilization IV. And the reason I say the most well-known of all time is because this is the only song to win a Grammy. The only game or the only music composed for a video game that has actually won a Grammy. It was it won in uh, 2010, I believe, best instrumental arrangement accompanying vocalist, and it is awesome. I'm just gonna let this play. Mm -hmm. It's a it's kind of a slow burn, but once it gets going. I love the Soweto Gospel Choir. That's the whitest thing I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> so this was uh, the theme song to Civ 4. And what this is, is it's technically, it's the Lord's Prayer sang in, I believe it's Swahili. And I think it's a beautiful song and stands up entirely on its own, completely detached from a video game. It's a, it's a beautiful song and has garnered high praise and i think it's worth it oh that is might beautiful. be the it might be the opposite of ducktales moon and i think <laughs> uh but that's what's so cool right like you can get songs like this for a video game and you can get songs like ducktales moon this is really damn good you know i've never played this civ game and so i don't this sounds familiar but i i it, i I hadn't sat with it like you do with a video game song. I used to seriously open up my computer, turn on Civ 4, and just leave it just to listen to the song. And I know that's silly because, like, I could just go on YouTube or whatever. But still, that just I would turn it on and be like, I just want to listen to this song. It's so good. Just luxuriate in it. Yeah, and there's, there's a ton of great, like, covers and remixes out there. But I, I will always love the, the original first. That's that's terrific. Great pick, The Nate. spirit of humanity. Yeah. So we got a lot of feedback from listeners about this episode, and uh, most of it really positive. Um, but unfortunately, not a whole lot of folks called out specific songs that they really liked or that they wanted to uh, uh, wanted to call out as their favorites. But we do have a few that I wanted to call out. 
and also some feedback from some other folks in our lives. Uh, so listeners a little closer to home. Uh, Nate, do you want to start with uh, Molly's picks? First off, for the listeners, who's Molly? <laughs> so Molly's my, <laughs> that's a good question. So Molly's my fiance and she is uh, as as invested in video games and even more so video game music than probably myself. I mean, ever since we've met, like I've known video game music has always been really important to her. She's been very into remixes and all sorts of different things. And I told her about this episode and I was like, hey, if you want to make a few recommendations, please, like, I'd, you know, love to put it on the show. And so she spent the last like three days um, almost like stressing out, trying to decide <laughs> what, what would best represent what she loves in video games. Sorry, like, Molly. Like, no, I mean, but it, it's great, but it's that's hard, right? To like, she's hey, dedicated. What, what's, you know, give me two or three of your favorite video game music songs when she has like hundreds. And so she did manage to narrow them down. And the first one that I'm going to play is actually a, a, uh, Song from Wind Waker. Oh, another Wind Waker. Yes. Oh, yeah. We did a Wind Waker song uh, in the initial episode. Which one is this one? Uh, Dragon Roost Island. <laughs> oh, I did this one, too, but that's okay. Is it really? Well, oh, it's still great. Well, no, I did the, my main pick was the theme was the main title screen music. And then at the end, I also threw in and Dragon Roost Island. So okay. So I'll nice do a quick refrain of do. Dragon's Roost Island. Okay. Molly, we agree with you. She wrote little things to kind of explain her picks a little bit, so I'm going to read this. Everything Koji Kondu does is awesome. Every Zelda song is obviously amazing. This isn't even my favorite Zelda song. That would probably be Gerudo Valley or Zora's theme. But Dragon Roost is still really amazing and instantly immersive as regards to the very foreign setting of Wind Waker. Zelda plus Pirates equals awesome and the best. Yes. Okay, well, let's try uh, a different one. This one is from... Banjo-Kazooie. Click Clock Wood. Oh, this is so cheerful. Banjo-Kazooie's soundtrack is so wonderful. It's such a major component of the game itself, which is silly and playful and fun. This is one of the best tracks in the game and probably my favorite level. We play the same level through all four seasons. Different elements of the map becoming unlocked with the passage of time, with snowfall, etc. Also, back in middle school, I got to go home early one day because the Pope was driving through my neighborhood. So I got to go home, <laughs> play this level, ran out and saw the Pope mobile drive by, and then came back and finished it. Wow, that is vivid. Well, and I think that's an interesting thing to talk about is like how much, you know, you can tie the music of video games to the situation in your life when you are playing that game. Absolutely. I just adore this. It's super vaudevillian. I feel like yeah. there's a little man dancing somewhere in my brain. I never played the Banjo-Kazooie games because I didn't have a PlayStation in the days when those were still, you know, um, the thing. But the hotness. I feel like they're really overdue for a comeback. I I've been talking about this with you guys before, but I think we're really overdue for more decent 3D platformers. 
you know, we've gotten to a point now where, you know, indie, the indie space has really done a lot of 2D platformers, and there's been a ton of homages to the, uh, uh, to the 2D platformers of yesteryear, and there haven't been a lot of indie games that have attempted the 3D platformer. I think 3D platformers are much, 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 much harder to make, and that's why there's so few good ones, but I'm surprised to not see more folks giving it a shot now that the tools like Unity and everything have made it so easy to make 3D games, relatively speaking. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played a lot of the Uncharted, or any of the Uncharted games, but would you consider those to a degree to be... Oh, they're pretty different. Uh, okay. They're more exploratory. I think. I, I would okay. say, if you're going to compare anything, I would say the um, the Jack and Daxter games from the oh, PS2 yeah. era, but even then, only the first one, because after that, it got too GTA-inspired. Gotcha. So the final one is a song from Final Fantasy X. So I've not played a lot of... Uh, Final Fantasy. I've actually only played the original one that came out on iPhone. I just missed the entire, somehow missed entirely all of Final Fantasy. But uh, this is called the Besaid. Besaid, I think. Yeah. Besaid Island. I played this one, but it's been years and years. So I'll go ahead and read what she wrote. Uh, this track is really special because the game starts out with an incredibly extended cutscene with heavy metal and explosions and monster attacks. And 30 minutes later, when you're finally able to control your character and start exploring, you're transported to a beautiful tropi tropical island setting with the song playing and you get to just run around through beautiful settings and swim serenely through really clear and beautiful rendered water. And it was just so wonderful and beautiful. This is the song that I can loop for hours while I'm working. Also, this is where you meet Waka, who is the best character in the game and also voiced by John DiMaggio. <laughs> yeah, that's a really nice piece. Yeah, it's, it is nice is the right word for it. It's just, it's very easy to listen to. And I, you can, I think it fits in any setting. It's I could got a fall... backbone and a pace, but it's not stressful. <laughs> yeah, I could fall asleep to this song and I could also go running to this song. Yeah. Good picks, Molly. Mm -hmm. So Nate had Molly submit because she was really excited about the topic. And <laughs> I also had my boyfriend, Justin, submit. He did submit through Twitter officially. but So it we counts had... as a listener. He submitted through Twitter. <laughs> but there we, we should disclose that it is, you know, the person I live with. Or should um, we? Listener <laughs> Justin writes. Listener Justin <laughs> writes. Um, but the nice thing is, uh, due to the Twitter character limitation, he has given these kind of stealth descriptions of things. Um, so the first <laughs> tract he calls, A boy, his sword, and the whole world in front of him. And the track is from Zelda Link's Awakening, and it's uh, Tall Tall Heights. So a lot of love for the Zelda games on here, but we haven't actually had a lot of chiptune other than, um, I think we've had a little bit more um, a mix of symphonic on this episode. So I'm glad to have a little more chiptune Zelda. I think that the Game Boy is probably the best system for chiptune out there. I don't know why, but I think it's probably that they were still working with the limitations of the sound that you'd get on something like the NES. 
but they'd had a lot longer to experiment, and um, I think that so the, the art form of chiptune music in video games was sort of coming into its own by the midpoint or towards the end of the Game Boy's life. I mean, we were still playing Game Boy Color games like this one in the late 90s, or even like this, you would have been playing this alongside things coming out on the N64. Mm -hmm. So it's a more advanced art form by that point, and I think you really just hear some great stuff on some of these later Game Boy titles. And this is a great example. It's always to hear, interesting to hear each game's take on the core Zelda theme. Like, as the games advanced and going from chiptune to orchestra and, and everything mm -hmm. in between, it always has that core hook. And I just love hearing it in all the different ways they've come up with it. Yeah. So what was, uh, what was Justin's next pick? Justin's next pick has the caption, Oh, I get it. He's a ninja. But he's actually John Wayne. And that is Final Fantasy VI Shadows theme. Oh, yeah. Shadow is a really interesting character in Final Fantasy VI. This is uh, AKA Final Fantasy III. See, that's what's so confusing to me about the Final Fantasy yeah. series. <laughs> and I know it's because of releases in different countries. But when you say six, I mean three. Six, also known as three. Seven, it's really four or mm -hmm. five. Or, like, I've, the barrier to entry after the fact, it's a little more difficult to, to figure out where I should start. Yeah. yeah. But in any case, I love this because it's, it's stealth spaghetti western. Yeah. It's got that twang that you don't expect in a chiptune style sound. There's some gunslingers happening, but it's, yeah, Stealth Ninja. Well, they had a lot more to work with on, on the uh, SNES. It had a, a lot better sound reproduction, and they could do samples, and they could do a lot of, like, types of waves that you couldn't do on an 8-bit system. So that twang is something that, I mean, it really sounds instrumental. Yeah, it's got that Morricone vibe. And what's a kind of a bummer is that I've been playing this game, and I keep going back to it and then setting it aside because I have a lot of other things to play, but I, I've been playing this on the Game Boy Advance version, and the Game Boy Advance doesn't do as good a job with sound reproduction as, oh. uh, as the SNES. So it has the same soundtrack, but it's not quite there. Uh, it, it, all things being perfect, it'll sound fine. Like a, a GBA emulator sounds good, but GBA hardware... The, there's an audio hiss even if you're listening on headphones and it's just it's just not good hardware for sound so this sounds amazing and his uh, last pick uh, the caption is why did the music get all ominous I'm sure it's oh my god space lizards <laughs> and that's Metroid Prime space pirates battle specifically you hit play now there's just ominous ominous music for a good 26 seconds <laughs> and then all of a sudden everything shoots at you at once <laughs> <laughs> there's just lots and lots of bullets flying all of a sudden <laughs> Man, I've never played this, but I just downloaded it on the Wii U. They have uh, finally re-released as a download 
the Metroid Prime Trilogy. And Metroid Prime Trilogy was the update of the original Metroid Prime uh, the, and the second one, which were GameCube exclusives, plus the third one, which I think was on the Wii. They re-released them all as a single disc as uh, you know, and updated some of the graphics and some of the controls for the Wii. Um, but then that game was really, really rare, and actually getting your hands on a copy was really difficult. It was like over $100 to get your hands on a copy of Metroid Prime Trilogy. Um, but it was the only way to play those updated versions of the first couple of Metroid Prime games. But now that that's out as a download on the Wii U, um, you know, for like 10 bucks or maybe 20 I, uh, I finally got it to snap up a copy and, of course, haven't had time to play it yet. So last, we've got a little bit of follow-up from a actual honest-to-God listener. Um, that doesn't exist. I know. We don't have <laughs> listeners. What are we talking about? Um, Michael Fear, at uh, Fear F-E-I-R on Twitter, um, gave us a, some really interesting choices here. Um, so first off, he says that my father and I played Timeline based on Michael Crichton's book. Short, shallow game, but wonderful music. Now, we're all about short, shallow games here on The Short Game. <laughs> well, half right. Um, and I had never heard of this game. I actually read the book. Did you guys ever read the book or see the awful movie based on Michael Crichton's timeline? No, I was a big fan of... I mean, I am a big fan of Michael Crichton, though I haven't read anything in a long time. It is his worst book. It is his worst book without any doubt at all. It's absolutely crap. And I'm surprised they made a game out of it. Um, and I can't imagine that the game was all that good. Um because I'd never heard of it. Justin played it. But I, after some vigorous Googling, I was able to find uh, the title theme to the game. Uh, so here you go, uh, listener Michael. Uh, the theme from Timeline, the video game. It was a PC exclusive, and I think it came out in the 90s, but I may be wrong about that. So while this is playing, can you give us a one-sentence synopsis of Timeline, Reagan? Oh, God. Um, scientists figure out that they can send things backward in, backward in time, but only by taking it apart into tiny, tiny pieces and forcing it through tiny wormholes. Um, and the problem is that they can force things through these wormholes, but they can't force a machine to send them back through the wormhole. Long story short, it's scientists versus medieval knights. <laughs> scientists get sent back in time, and then like Jurassic Park, they're killed by something from the past. But that's like where the similarities end. Um, I don't know. It was it was an absolutely freaking terrible book. Um, whatever. But actually, this music sounded pretty cool. I have to say, science, scientists versus medieval knights, I'm sold on that concept. That just means we haven't found the right way of portraying it yet. And maybe it's time for us to get it, the short game, to develop its first game. <laughs> science knights. Now, that would be more like scientists are medieval knights. <laughs> well, that's okay, too. It's not as good as scientists versus medieval knights. I yeah. think scientists medieval knights would be quite fun. I would like to see a 
1500s era chemistry lab. Mm -hmm. Michael also mentioned a couple of other games that he particularly loved uh, the music from. Uh, Longest Journey and Oblivion have brilliant music. He said he prefers uh, games that lean more towards the orchestral side of things. And um, I think Longest Journey in particular is one that I've been wanting to play for a long time, and this gave me an excuse to go over the music from it on, uh, on YouTube. And I'll have a link in the show notes. Somebody was kind enough to upload the entire soundtrack. Um, but here we're just going to listen to the main menu theme. has a nice ominous sound to it. Very mysterious. And it is a good example of like just the nice orchestral stuff that you see in a lot of uh, PC games. This and I guess timeline as well. Um, for a long time, console games didn't have the capability of doing really strong music as far as like orchestral you know actual sound recordings it wasn't until we started getting into the the playstation era that we had the ability to put actual audio onto games for the most part but um pc games have been doing full soundtracks for much longer than that so thanks michael for writing in and giving us your picks um any last picks before we head out this wasn't formally submitted but the guy who sits next to me at work yelled at me for not talking about Bastion on the last episode. <laughs> so we might as well throw a little bit over the credits as we wrap up. Yes, Bastion was an amazing soundtrack. And I, I think we mentioned it when we did our Transistor episode, which also had an amazing soundtrack. But as, as music-oriented as Transistor was, Bastion has a better soundtrack than Transistor. It's that good. It's a fantastic soundtrack. So yes, I'll definitely play some of that over our, uh, over our outro here while I tell you how to get in touch with us with follow-up. Um, listeners, if you want to tell us about your favorite music or just give us any follow-up about the show, uh, go to our website, www.theshortgame.net, where you can fill in our contact form or write an email, info at theshortgame.net. You can also write to us on Twitter, where we are at underscore shortgame. Or you can follow me. My name is Reagan, and you'll find me on Twitter at Reagan K R A Y G A N K. Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Laura J Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And if you like Nate's opinions about music, you may like his indie band, Bearhive. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Bearhive or BearhiveMusic.com or Google Bearhive or go to Bandcamp.Bearhive.com or SoundCloud.com slash Bearhive. <laughs> All the things. It's not a difficult domain to get bear hive, I guess. Now right? it turns out there might even be a MySpace out there that that's a bear hive. Uh, there's definitely a Facebook. Um, Got all that social media going. Oh man, we're on top of it. Or if <laughs> you're in the St. Louis area, just you know, go out to any corner in downtown, and you'll probably find them busking me. for cash. Yeah, just me yelling. Mm -hmm. Listen to me. Listen to me. That's what I do that I do when I'm not doing podcasts. All right, and thanks so much to our listeners, and hopefully you'll join us next week for another episode of The Short Game. <laughs> <laughs>